Well, good morning, everyone. As was said a few moments ago, my name is Dave Parks, and uh, I am a proud member of Browncroft Community Church. Along with you, I spend pretty much all my Sundays sitting where you sit, and I have uh, excited about the opportunity to be here this morning to share with you. Um, I know I'm the new guy kind of up here today, so uh, I brought protection. My mom's here, okay? And... Um, the, the good thing is, is you don't know who she is because she doesn't attend church here, so you need to watch what you say because she could be sitting next to you uh, about your comments related to, to what's shared here today. So um, anyway, we are going, to, going through this series called Limitless, and uh, we've heard some amazing messages. Sherwin in week one talked about limitless purpose. The message last week, John and Jeff, limitless faith. How about that message, right? If you were here, unbelievable testimony. Uh, if you haven't checked those out, you've got to go back and do that. Um, and, and really, uh, I know the Lord will speak to you there. Uh, so we, uh, we know that 85-degree weather here in Rochester is not limitless. Uh, we will, uh, we're, we're here today. We appreciate you being, uh, being here and hanging in uh, for at least the next two hours as I stand up here this morning. Just kidding. Um, and the, those that are in the, uh, the uh, gym, we welcome you to. And we know that you could be a lot of other places. Thank you for investing the time with you and your family and your loved ones to be here with us today. We are going to look at the biblical character of Joshua today. Uh, we know that this is, this is uh, we're reading through uh, 365 with the church in the book of Joshua. Specifically, we are going to look at the limitless, limitless wisdom of God through the lens of Joshua. So I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about this for, for a moment. Do you ever wonder why God's wisdom seems so inaccessible or mysterious? Anyone? Okay. I'm the only one? Okay, I'll be, I'll be the only one. That's fine. We'll keep going. Let me, let, me, let me drill it a little bit deeper. Do you ever ask things like this? God, I wish you would just tell me what to do. Or do you ever feel so frustrated because life just seems so complicated and hard? Do you ever feel guilty like you should be doing something more meaningful in your life, but you have no idea what that is? Now, did I get anybody with those? Anybody there? Great. Awesome. So <clears throat> we're going to dive into the book of Joshua. What I love about the Old Testament and biblical characters, even though we can tend to elevate these characters at times, we shouldn't because they're ordinary people where God shows up and he's the hero and he does extraordinary things. That's always the case. Look at any one of them. Abraham, Isaac. Uh, Jacob, uh, David, look at them all, and they were all imperfect people just like you and me that needed God's wisdom to be able to strategize and go through life and really experience more of what God had for them. What, we what I love about the character of Joshua, I identify a lot with his character just in reading the scriptures and looking at it, and I I, I love that he's going to give us a game plan this morning. As you read, we take a walk through. Specifically, we're going to look at chapter 6, but we're going to go back and look at how Joshua got to chapter 6. He's going to give us a game plan for gaining limitless wisdom of God uh, and, and how God demonstrates that wisdom through his life. There's a, there's a game plan in a way that we don't have to have a mysterious or confusing look at to what God is trying to accomplish with our lives. Specifically today, we're going to look at how wisdom begins with surrender, it sustains through remembrance, and it's revealed through obedience. It is, begins with surrender, it sustains through remembrance, and it's revealed through obedience. 
We're going to pick up the story in chapter 6. If you want to look or flip there, it's going to be appear on the screen. Joshua chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 16 and verse 20. Please follow along with me this morning. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I yell shout, then shout. So he had the ark, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight ahead, and they took the city. Wow. Are you serious? Right? I mean, does anybody just think that story is as unbelievable as I think it is? Okay? Well, in case you don't, let's just define a little bit more what Jericho was as a city. So Jericho was built on a great sloping embankment, and at the base of this embankment was a retaining wall that was 12 to 15 feet high. 46 feet above that retaining wall was another wall that was 26 feet high, and the walls were six feet thick. And God, you want me to shout and blow trumpets, and the walls are going to come down. I don't know, I don't know how that works. So you can ask a lot of questions. This is a famous biblical passage. Many of you know it. Uh, we're looking again through the lens of wisdom today. And what I'm really interested in and what I think we should be interested in as it pertains to today is how did Joshua know the walls of Jericho would come down if he followed that unbelievable plan? How did he know it? How was he able to be obedient? How was Joshua able to obey this plan. What is God trying to show Joshua? What's he trying to show you, and what's he trying to show me? That's what we should be asking. 
Two big thoughts before we dive into the game plan that I believe Joshua's life really shows us as how we can gain God's wisdom through life and not live confused and with this mystery, mysterious, uh, um, those mysterious things out in front of us. First, we all have Jerichos in our life, big and small. A Jericho can be an obstacle or it can be an assignment by God. This was an assignment. You're going to go lead the promised land, Joshua. He's asking us to face our fears and do something that doesn't fit the normal strategy for success. That's what's happening here. What's that in your life? Why does he want to do this? So that he can prove his love and lordship over your life. That's why. Joshua's life, as we're going to look here, demonstrates a process that we can apply to see God tear down these walls in our own lives and so we can live with his limitless wisdom. That's what this is all about. First point, the first way in which Joshua shows us about God's wisdom is that limitless wisdom begins with surrender. To really help illustrate this, we're going to back up. Before we get to this great monumental moment in chapter 6, let's look at chapter 1. Uh, it'll appear on the screen here. If you want to flip back in your Bible a few pages, you can go to Joshua 1.9. And the text reads, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Many of you know very famous passage in Joshua. We use that oftentimes as a rallying cry and a, uh, a motivational thing for, for us as Christians. But let's look at what's really going on here. What if I told you that that, that phrase, be strong and courageous, actually appears three times in the first chapter to Joshua? If Joshua was so strong and courageous, why would God need to repeat it three times? Joshua was not strong and courageous. Joshua was fearful. He had fear. Why did he have fear? Let's take a look at what's going on in his life. He's the newly appointed leader. Yeah, if you look back in Deuteronomy 31, you're going to see that Moses is getting, his life is getting ready to end, and they're going to appoint Joshua as leader. That happens. But, guys, it's game time now. Okay? Moses is not there anymore. Joshua is no Moses. And if you know, which many of you do, you know your, your history of what's happened to this point Joshua's charge, his assignment is to lead the people into the promised land. Picture yourself in this moment, right? You're part of the Israel culture. All they've talked about for hundreds of years is we're going to the promised land. We're now on the doorstep of the promised land. And the guy you thought was going to lead your team into the promised land, Moses, is not going. And you're the guy. You're on the stage. Get ready to go. I'd be a little fearful too. Joshua's a military general, but you know, this is a really big deal. This is a really big deal. This is the moment Israel's been waiting for. We know that Joshua was able to surrender his fear because as you look further into the chapter, even though he was fearful, the people start to repeat the things that God told Joshua as he shares them with them. In verses, verse 18, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. These are the people now that he's leading are not repeating the things that Joshua told them. So therefore, he has surrendered his fear to God in this moment, and he is taking his place as the leader of this nation. Uh, a really uh, great author, his name is Phil Hodges. He wrote a book called Lead Like Jesus. 
And he defines in that book, in his opinion, that the root of all of our disobedience and all of our sin comes from two things, fear and pride. Fear and pride. All sins, think about it, everything that you're guilty of that you've done in your life probably stems, stems from fear and pride. Joshua was, a, was afraid of failure. Last week we heard from John and Jeff and they spoke about surrendering the fear of not having children. How about that message? Surrendering that fear and laying that at the foot of the cross. So I work for this amazing ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, it is not what I had wanted to do with my life, nor did I ever think I would be doing it. Uh, I've been on the team now for six and a half years, and prior to doing that, since I was about this big, I loved sports, played sports. All I ever wanted to do was coach sports, specifically football. I went to college and played college football, and I was afforded the opportunity for eight years to be a professional coach. I did it at the college level. I couldn't believe they actually paid me for that job, but yes, they pay you to coach, and you know, many of you, that coaching, you can go up through the ranks, and I had my heights, my eyes set on that. I wanted to go and coach and keep going, and I had no other plans of doing that at all, but I had this nudge inside of my heart that things were coming to an end at the place that I was at, and FCA comes to my doorstep, and I first read about the mission to lead every athlete and coach into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow, that's fantastic. That's great. That makes a lot of sense practically. I'm a coach, and this is a ministry that ministers to coaches. It makes a lot of sense. I'll never forget, though, I'm on the doorstep of this opportunity, and I, I go through the process, and I'm feeling great, and um, the, the, the guy who's getting ready to uh, offer me the job, they offer me the job, and I, I get the phone in my hand, and I'm going to actually call him back to tell him I'm going to decline the job. And I, this is a really tough moment, and I, and I can't figure out why, but in that moment of prayer, I realize that I'm, I'm afraid. I, I, I've never known any of this, God. I don't know what you want to do. And God has really used my career in my life for the moments that he really wants to speak to me. And many of you have been in these positions where you've had to change or reroute or go a different direction. And I was afraid. I, I didn't know anything about ministry or what to do. And God said, of course you're afraid, Dave, but surrender that fear to me and I will lead you to where you need to go. Because I'm fearful of letting go of control of my life. That's my real problem. And I think Joshua shows us that God's wisdom begins when we just surrender that fear altogether and give it up to him. So part of the, the process here for us today is what fear or pride, maybe it's an area of pride, in your life do you need to surrender to God today? Second roadmap or game plan that, that uh, Joshua gives us is that the limitless wisdom of God is sustained through remembrance. Let me talk a bit about what I mean by that. So if you then now, let's, let's just move through Joshua's life. We're now into chapter 4, okay? We didn't read it here today, but I'll give you a summarizing context of what's happening. By this time, they're in the promised land now. God parted the, the, now the Jordan River, okay? And Israel is in the promised land. They have made it. They are now on the plains of Jericho, ready for conquest. And before they go to this battle that we just are about to, we read in chapter 6, Joshua pauses, and you read in chapter 4 about this whole idea of him collecting stones out of the River Jordan, 12 stones, one for every tribe. It says to the Israelite leaders, go and get the stones. Why? We see in verse 21, he says, so that you will remember one day what God has done for you. 
because Joshua knew that he was, gonna, he was susceptible to slipping back into his old ways of being fearful. He needed to set up things in his life so that he did not go back to those fears and that he could remember God's goodness in his life. So I jump on the train of FCA. I make a career move, and I'm, it's going, you know, the, the year one of anything is like a honeymoon, you know. It's FCA, for many of you, some of you don't know this, it's a 64-year-old ministry, but here in upstate New York, the position I took had never been taken before. This ministry had never made a footprint here in this area. Really big in the south and the Midwest, but not here. And so year one, you're doing stuff, and we was like, this is great. We've never had this before, and it's awesome. And then reality sets in like anything in life. You get to year two and three, and it's harder than you thought it was. Uh, it is, uh, I traveled 40,000 miles in my car in the first year to meet people and to like go and do this, this work. Uh, you have uh, more responsibilities. Um, I know sometimes people look at, you know, people that work in ministry and like, man, they must just sit around and read the Bible all day and it's all just awesome. And it's like, no, we're sinful people and we manage sinful people and it's all life. It doesn't matter what you're working in. It's the same thing. God needs to do a work in our life. So, so all these things are happening. In fact, and then some of the, uh, we were very blessed to have a lot of resources, but we weren't able to sustain everything that we were trying to do at that point. I actually had to take a salary cut in year two to continue to do this. And it was hard. It was really, really hard. Oh, and then I didn't mention this. In that process of that year of joining staff, I had gotten married, and now Kate and I are about to have our first child. So that is that that wasn't enough uh, more to put on the plate. So we're getting ready to have our first child. We have two beautiful children now, Jacob and Vivian, but we're getting ready to have Jacob, and we come up with this with this plan. We're like, we're going. We're, naming is really important, and you know what we're going to do. We're going to be good Christian parents, and we're going to give this kid a good biblical name. Yes, that's the plan, okay? Um, and we're going to make sure that he knows the meaning of his name so that when he learns that someday, he can, uh, he can just trust God more with his life. So, great. We like the name Jacob, but we were struggling with the meaning of kind of who, who Jacob was and how he personified really one who wrestled with God an awful lot throughout Scripture, somebody that really struggled. But we came to the realization what God spoke to us was that Jacob was actually uh, a character that we all are. We all wrestle with God and that Jacob would know someday that even though he wrestles with God, God saves him and God loves him. So, I uh, am on my way with Jacob this week to, uh, he's three and a half now, we're on our way to T-Ball. Uh, truly a family team building exercise. If you've never done T-Ball with a three and a half year old, what a blast. Um, a little sarcasm there. Uh, but anyway, we're on the way and Jacob from the back seat looks up at me and says, Daddy, why did you name me Jacob? I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this is my moment. Yes, he's three and a half. I thought it was going to be like 12. He's three and a half, and I get to share all this wisdom that God had given me. Jacob, you're, and I explained to him that, hey, your name means this, and son, someday, you know, you're going to know that God needs to, you know, be first in your life, and you'll realize that. And he looks right back at me up in the rearview mirror as any three and a half year old would, and he says, Daddy, do you wrestle with God? I didn't name Jacob for Jacob to remember. God led me to name Jacob so that I could remember. What are you doing in your life to remember God's grace and his love in your life and his plans to knock down those fears, just eliminate the pride? 
What are the stones in your life? Do you have accountability relationships? I look across this room, I see so many people in this room that have poured their lives into me to help me be remembered of God's goodness and his love and his plan for all of us. Do you read your Bible? Do you pray throughout the day? Are you part of a Bible reading plan? Do you have a small group? Ladies and gentlemen, this right here, getting time in this book right here, that's the best stone ever. That's the best stone ever. What are you doing to make this a priority in your life and remember? Finally, now we're at the climax of this story. We're getting ready for chapter six, the big moment. Joshua gets a chance to demonstrate obedience, and we're going to see that wisdom is revealed through obedience. That's the third and final part of this game plan that Joshua, that really God is showing us through Joshua's life. There's no doubt at this point that he has a calling to lead the people. I mean, they're following him. They did the stones. They're ready to go, and they're, they're now on the, the doorstep of this moment. But this is a new challenge and a new test. And remember, Joshua was a military leader. He probably could have thought of many other strategies to knock down the walls of Jericho than trumpets and walking and shouting, right? I love how God does this. He goes right for the heart. He goes right for the heart of you and I and says, you think you're good at that? You think you know that? I've got a better plan. And don't you ever forget that I am in control of your life. He goes right for it. What else does he show us through Joshua? Joshua didn't go halfway, okay? This is a seven-day process. He didn't do four days, five days, six days. He did all seven days. I think it's worth noting. So we're noting, look in there, that he followed, he was obedient to the New Test. He went all the way. How about this? If you look in verses 12 and verses 15 of that chapter, Joshua didn't go through the motions. He didn't say, ah, oh, you know what, God's got a plan and I'll just sit here and watch it happen. No, it says in verse 12, on the first day, he woke up early to make sure everything was prepared. On the seventh and final day, he woke up at dawn. He woke up at dawn. He was obedient to following it and being all in with God's plan. All in. Why? Because God wants to leave no doubt, no doubt, in your life, in my life, in the life of Joshua, that he is Lord and his plans and ways are greater than ours. Joshua's obedience is such an encouragement to me. Um, we live in such an incredibly non-committal and disobedient culture, uh, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. I, I mean, there'll be a, I can't. I, I'm embarrassed to say this. How many nights uh, Kate and I will be sitting there, you know, scanning through our Amazon or Hulu or whatever, and we just we can, we can't decide. We don't watch anything. We sit there for two hours and we can't commit to a single program. We're just going and going and going. We don't watch anything and we go to bed and we're all frustrated. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I'm embarrassed. It's terrible. I, you know, I'm not much of a, uh, like, fitness guru uh, person. I, I kind of just do the same thing. But recently we stumbled upon um, this new workout uh, thing, regimen. Okay, You've heard, many of you have heard of Insanity. Well, apparently there's this guy named Vince, and he created Vince Sanity. Okay, so we're doing that right now. We're about 15 days in. Um, you know, but the whole thing is this 90 plan, and there's this whole diet, and there's this, this exercise routine. And, and the, 
the exercise routine was like, you know, do these crazy workouts and then eat lettuce sandwiches and you'll be shredded like me. You know, like this is the plan. And I'm like, of course you will, obviously. I mean, nobody does that. I can't commit to 90 days of that. It's so hard, right? Uh, so you have to check back with us and see if we make the 90 days. But commitment is very, very challenging. Even when things are going well, even when you're on the doorstep of the promised land and you're the leader and you're ready to go and take the fort. Obedience is challenging. So after six and a half years of being on staff with, with this ministry in FCA, things are going amazing. I, I am, it's been an amazing journey, and we've seen God hold true to his promises in our lives, that he's provided for our family. The ministry is growing. There's now 15 staff people that work around the state of New York. There's over 1,000 kids that came to an FCA camp last summer. We're on over 100 high schools in upstate New York, and it is making a huge difference in so many people's lives, and things are going great. We have two beautiful children. Life here is awesome, and God still finds ways through my career to test my obedience. So three weeks ago, I get a call. One of our executive directors in FCA calls me up and says, hey, Dave, would you be interested in going through the process of interviewing for the VP position in Florida? Okay, well, I didn't give you much of the backdrop. I'm like, Flor Florida? My wife, Bob, you know where I live, right? I live in Rochester. That's where I'm from. I'm born and raised. My wife is from Syracuse. All of our family is here. We vacation in Florida. We don't live in Florida, okay? And, and furthermore, you guys don't even have Wegmans in Florida, so why in that world would I go down there? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thought. But in my heart, and you guys have been there, some would call it a, some would call it a, a nudge, some would call it my gut. It's, to me, it's the Holy Spirit nudging me, telling me, Dave, go through the process. I'm like, I don't want to go, God, but sure, okay, you, I, feel, I know you're telling me to go through the process. So we go through the process. You can imagine over three weeks the conversations when you don't want to go. She doesn't want to go. I don't want to go. We continue to pray, and God is asking and showing us, I don't care if you want to go, Dave. Will you go? Will you go? You don't have to have it figured out. So all kinds of prayer, all kinds of discussions, looking at homes, the whole, I mean, what is, what is going on? This is crazy, right? What are we doing? Like, we're up, I mean, this is just wild. So this week, I, I, I had interviewed, I get the call, and I'm going to, I, I, the call was going to come Thursday, and they were going to tell me the next steps on what was going to happen. And um, as I'm sitting there, I'm putting the final touches on this, and I still hadn't really in my heart settled would I go. And the call, the phone rings, and I'm not kidding you, I see the man's name on the, on the phone, I know, I know what's about to happen, and I say, I say, Lord, I'll go. I don't want to, but I'll go, if that's what you want me to do. Pick up the phone, Dave, this is Bob. We've decided not to continue the process with you. We have a belief that there's other people that are capable of doing this ministry here. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. Things are going awesome up in New York. Keep at it keep on. I say, thank you, Lord, right? So God wasn't interested. He never said, Dave, go to Florida. And I don't think he often speaks that way. What he asks us to do is to consider something, do something, be obedient to him, to follow him 
in the way, the small steps of obedience that he asks us to do along the way. He simply said, Dave, go through the process. Let me tell you what that did for our marriage going through that process. Let me tell you what it probably did to challenge our families thinking about how this would all look different with grandkids and not being able to see them on holidays. Some of you have been in these positions before. These are really hard things. I'm still learning what God is showing me through it. But Joshua shows us that God's limitless wisdom comes when we do all three of these all the time. We surrender our fears to him. We acknowledge that we may be tempted to go back to those fears or that pride, and we take measures to remember his victory in our lives, and we commit to obeying his plans in our lives, even when it doesn't make any sense, so that he can grow deeper in our hearts, we can grow deeper with him, and he can prove that he is Lord. So, you might be thinking, as I would, reading this passage of Scripture, we didn't talk about it, but the instruction of Joshua to shout around the walls of Jericho actually came in chapter, the end of chapter 5, and there's an angel of the Lord that appears to Joshua to give him this instruction. So some of you might go, well, shoot, Dave. If an angel came and spoke to me and told me what to do, I wouldn't have any problem figuring out what God was trying to do in my life. That's pretty easy, right? Okay? Understand it. I get it. But the most unbelievable plan of all is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the most unbelievable plan, that God would send his only son to come to this earth to die a sinner's death when he knew no sin, to be in place of, of us who deserve death, that if we believe in him, and know that he is our Lord, that we would have eternal life with him. That plan is unbelievable, and yet God did it. And to take it one step further, when you believe that, when you believe that, Romans 8, 11 tells us, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in you. You can have an angel. You can pray for one. But if you believe in Jesus, that same Spirit that spoke to Joshua is sitting right inside of you. It's right there. It's right in there. So in a moment, I'm going to offer a challenge. And uh, I'll begin just by saying this is a challenge to me too. Because in finding out what my Jericho is, God has used my career an awful lot, um, but certainly many other areas of my life, to a place where he's trying to draw me into deeper obedience with him. I'm going to challenge you to come forward and consider receiving prayer for that Jericho in your life. This doesn't have to be um, any big production. You don't have to come forward and spill the beans on everything in your life. There's going to be leaders up here and also in the gym that are here to pray. Just say your name. Just say your name. Take a step up and say your name and commit this day to being prayed for by someone else. That's what we're going to ask you to do. And I want you to think as you're processing and the band comes and they get ready to, to, to close this uh, together. What is your Jericho today? What is God asking you to do today? Maybe it's in your marriage, okay? Maybe there's an ongoing struggle and he wants you to do something just a little bit different that you haven't tried before. He's been knocking, he's been nudging, but you haven't done it. Maybe it's family relationships that just never seem to change. You're frustrated up to here and you don't know what to do. But he is asking you to try something a little different. 
Maybe it's career relationships or a project at work. Maybe it is career. Maybe there's this opportunity that's great. It doesn't always have to be an obstacle. It could be an amazing opportunity, like leading the people into the promised land as Joshua had. But maybe he wants you to do it in a different way. Maybe some of you are struggling with an addiction. It's got a huge grip on your life. And you seem like, it just seems like it's absolutely impossible to let that go. And maybe some of you are sitting there for the very first time hearing the message of the gospel and you need to surrender your life and take the first step and give your life to Jesus today. Whatever it is, the power of Christ is all you need. Ask him this. God, Lord, give me the ability to surrender my fear. To show you, Lord, show me that you are there with me always. I want to remember your love for my life. Help me to obey your voice in the ways you want to speak to me, even if they don't make sense all the time. Help me to follow you and obey. God wants to leave no doubt in your mind today that he, as we, as we sang a few moments ago, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He wants to leave no doubt. Let him in. Let him in. So again, as I pray, feel free to come forward. There'll be leaders here as the band plays. Make today the day you, you make a, a deeper commitment to surrender, to remember, and to obey God as he wants to love you and show you how much he cares for you in your life. Let's pray. Father, as I uh, humbly stand before you, I just am in awe of you in awe of what you are doing here amongst the people here. You know every single person. You know every single challenge. You know every single obstacle. You know every wall of Jericho that may be facing them today. You're the God of the universe, and you love each and every person. And Lord, you have given us access to you through your Son. Reveal to us in, in our hearts today that thing. Point it out to us. Make it very clear, that next thing, that, that plan, that obstacle, that act of obedience that seems to be so hard that you can be Lord of today in our lives. Lord, I pray for these moments that you'd use them to glorify you and ultimately you would bring us nearer to you. We thank you for your love and your truth and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.